Thank you for tuning in to the Strength for All podcast. I'm your host, Johnny Reps, and today's guest is Brian Fitzsimmons. You may recognize him from my previous episode 34 podcast, Four Awesome Personal Trainers Answer Your Fitness Questions. Today, Brian and I talk about reverse dieting, what it is, why you may or may not want to implement it, and our experience using it with clients. By the way, it's January, and you know what that means. Head over to johnnyrepsfitness.com to sign up for online coaching with myself. I'm taking on some new clients this month. I'm Brian Fitzsimmons, also known as Coach Fitz with two Z's, um, from, uh, originally from Cranford, New Jersey. Um, I guess, I mean, went to college, got a degree I'm doing nothing with, and decided to go into a life of fitness. Is it sports management? Um, is that the degree? Nope, nope. It was actually Accounting? cryptology, which is basically a sociology degree. Did you say cryptocurrency? <laughs> close, close. No, criminology. Oh, okay. So you got a degree in you got a degree in cryptocurrency. Got it. And what else? Basically. Basically. Yeah. That's <laughs> Just, it. Uh, That's literally it. Gave a lot of gave a lot of shits about fitness and ran with it. <laughs> I don't even know what this podcast was about and it doesn't matter, but let me ask you a question. What have you been doing in your in your coaching practice lately? Lately, a lot a lot of uh reworking things because it became very apparent that Everybody that comes to us is not in the same place. So like what I've been experimenting a lot with and seeing good results from is one establish like figuring out where people are at metabolically, like just seeing where their maintenance calories are at and then going from there. So for a lot of people, so just to clarify what you're saying is yeah. you're, you get a new client uh, or a new person who's doing a consultation with you. You're not going to necessarily upfront have them like immediately be like, let's put you into a macro calculator and find out how many calories you need and find out how like you're not necessarily going to do that up front. Not necessarily. Like sometimes if we have no idea where they're at, like most people don't really track. So I'll give them two options. They'll either track what they always eat like for a week or two and we'll just see where they're at. Or if they want something to like go strive for, because a lot of people are like, I want to do this right from day one. It's like, all right, I type it into like the TDEE calculator and bang out a number for like somebody that's pretty low activity and see if they can hit that number consistently. Then depending on what the scale does, we kind of make a call after a month or two. Right. So, and, so making adjustments as they go and also understanding that for, that for like the vast majority of people don't track calories. So giving that to them out the gate, like might have, there's kind of like a, there's a learning curve. And I've noticed this myself too. It's like, you're not always, just because they say they're eating this many calories doesn't mean that that's going to translate into weight loss. Exactly. Exactly. And that's what a lot of people are like, the whole first couple months is the gigantic learning process. Like, learning to track correctly first and foremost, because when a lot of people say that they track calories, they're mis like mis entering like uh, raw versus cooked and like it, how much a serving size actually is like if you're using measuring cups or if you're actually like measuring to the gram, big, big differences. <laughs> so that whole process kind of figures itself out while we're not in the stressful part of like trying to still lose, trying to lose weight right now. It's just setting a foundation. And then the interesting thing from there is putting a lot of most people into a reverse diet. So what do you think is like the first, the, the most important thing to start out with? And then tell me a little bit about what a reverse diet is. Yeah. When it comes to what to start with, it really is case dependent. Like for 
let's say like the stereotypical perfect client, clean slate, doesn't have any like mis like uh, any beliefs that like have to be uh, battled. What <laughs> like battled? Yeah, like you don't have to like fight them every inch of the way to like try and disprove gurus. So if somebody comes to you and says, "Tell me exactly what to do." Like first step is always just so essentially getting from a psychological perspective, they're already, they're basically already like bought in, right? They're already bought yeah. into like, they, they recognize you as kind of like an authority or at least as like a fairly knowledgeable coach who can, who can tell them what to do and then get them to their result. Exactly. Exactly. So if we're dealing with somebody like that, it's really about just getting them off on the right foot basics, like getting them in the gym two or three times a week, establishing some sort of a sleep routine. If they struggle with sleep, getting those calories, right and getting a walking goal. So those are like the four that like are pretty much like everybody's starting so point. Just to go through those again, what, what were they? Number one was getting them in the gym consistently. Yeah, no specific order, but it was gym consistently getting the calories right, a walking goal and getting their sleep right. Right. Okay. Yeah. Cause more times than not, those kind of check a lot of boxes and water goes into there too. But I find that with a lot of people, depending on like, where they're at that's not necessarily like the biggest rock so those four first and then we incorporate the other stuff as we go gotcha okay so then how would reverse dieting kind of play into this yeah when it comes to the reverse diet that's like the next step so like once we get to those maintenance calories and see that the weight is like stalled or it's like some people even put a little weight on eating maintenance so you're like all right Clearly their metabolism is not firing on all cylinders. So now it's time to try and like slowly bring it up because a lot of times people think that getting their metabolism firing is like some sort of specific superfood or like hit, hit workouts or whatever it may be. But the long lasting one is that slow reintroduction of calories. So we got to, I, I want to, there's a lot to go into that we can talk about here. So again, you said that you're going to put them at what you would uh, consider maintenance usually out the gate for calories, right? Uh, based on the TDE yeah. and kind of like your guesstimate of where they're, where they might be at. But then most of the time it's, it's again, it's like, you're not necessarily putting that person at maintenance because again, mate, if, if by definition, if someone actually is at maintenance, like they would not be gaining nor losing weight. Right. But what you're saying is you would put it, what you would expect for a person with their stats to be maintenance. But then oftentimes when they get to actually tracking, it turns out to not be maintenance. It actually turns out to be like over their, maintenance is what you're saying exactly like i've i was working with like with a woman a couple months back whose maintenance level was legitimately like 1100 1200 calories and she couldn't lose weight on that while tracking and everything and now imagine trying to lose weight under what would be calculated probably under like a basal metabolic rate and then you're just like kind of stuck that's like the people that like just can't lose weight no matter what they try yeah Right. So why do you think that is that people, you know, if someone's on a 1100 calorie diet, because theoretically and scientifically, like 99.9% .9 of people, unless you're either like very small or extremely old or extremely inactive, um, 1100 calories, you're going to be losing weight like crazy if you're actually sticking to that. If you're actually like legitimately you know, eating 1100 calories, like there's metabolic ward studies where they have people, you know, 
essentially locked in a lab for like weeks or sometimes even months. And so everything that they eat is tracked extremely closely and even their physical activity sometimes is tracked by like a dynamometers in the room or like you know maybe if it's less technical uh like a a, a fitbit type device um and those you know in those situations it's always consistently found that like you know they would they lose or gain or maintain at about the rate that would be expected given their activity level and their calorie intake and all this other stuff so why do you think that it is that in a free living environment when people are given the autonomy to they're given kind of the the guidelines of what they need to do or a specific calorie goal like 1100 calories that in the lab will like in every single given scenario we've ever observed would create weight loss why would that why does that not always work out kind of out in the wild well first thing i think a lot of people like the general public when they do like say they're eating 1200 calories or something they usually aren't like they're usually like not tracking correctly, which I think is like the overarching problem. But for those specific people that do have issues with it, I think the other group of people that's like not really represented is the yo-yo dieters, the forever yo-yo dieters that are constantly like forever on a diet. Then they come off it. Then they eat their, they eat back everything that they just like deprive themselves of and then they're back on a diet and then their metabolism over time is like a net uh, loss as far as like how many calories they're burning over time and it's just slowly slowly going down and they never really recovered from it and then there's also that group of people that hormonally just are not in a good place like whether that be from like uh, a mother like postpartum like they're they just never bounce back the right way or like somebody who's like crazy stressed at work or something that has like something like low T and they have no idea, like stuff like that can play a big role in metabolism. So like, I think the hormonal issues, the lack of tracking correctly, and just the people that have never really not been dieting or like eating what should have been their maintenance calories. And it's tough to really suss these things out when you have someone who you, uh, uh, are working with because it's like, you know, even if someone is, and this has been observed in like studies where they have people like followed, you know, they're in a, an area that it, like, it's literally watching them with cameras, like based on what they're eating. And then they have them like track what they're eating, right? It's like what they are actually observed to be eating and what they track is not usually very accurate. And that's even when they know they're being taped and they think they're tracking accurately. Right. Yep. Yep. So I think the, the moral is that like people are just terrible at like tracking stuff to be honest Mo yeah. the majority of people are terrible at tracking stuff and it takes some time and it's really frustrating like when you start out or even if, if like you said if you've been dieting longer and longer it's like you almost become like numb to this it's like you've been dieting for forever and you're just like mm -hmm. ah well you know i'm just never going to be able to lose any weight so it's like are they really even trying at that point or are they are well, they are trying, but it's like the level of effort that is required for them to like get above where they currently are might be more than they're currently capable of doing, right? Like more mental, I guess, more mental uh, exertion than maybe they're capable of putting out at that moment. So what do you do in this situation where someone's kind of like up against a wall, they feel like their calories are as low as they possibly can, and there's might be a lot of fact, uh, other confounding factors kind of going on there? Yeah, I mean... The more I'm working with people, the more I'm like realizing that you can only handle X amount of things on your plate at one time. Like when people have stressors from work, kids, like their parents that they might be taking care of, there's all these things going on 
that like tracking is just one more of those things that, that, that they might not just have the mental energy for. And if they even do commit to it, like things keep getting in the way. And that, I think that's like the big problem when it comes to tracking efficiently, because, and on top of that, you need a little bit of willpower to be a hundred percent honest with yourself, which I think a lot of people just don't have the ability to do. So like when you have a beer or a glass of wine, it never finds its way into that tracker or like something like that. But with me, it seems like a lot more people are benefiting from like lifestyle changes, not necessarily tracking, but stuff like hitting a water goal or like just getting vegetables on the plate or eating enough protein, like just enough to feel full. So it's like they don't have to think about numbers, but they think about how they feel, which is much more tangible. So stuff like that seems to be working very well. So kind of like different ways to attack the goal that kind of like target the root cause, but it's maybe a different way for them to like look at what to do, right? Like, for example, like you said, if you incorporate more vegetables in your diet, that in general makes people well first of all we know just like from correlation studies like people who eat more vegetables generally have an easier time losing weight we know that vegetables are healthy and they have a lot of micronutrients but uh and so even if you're not specifically tracking the quantity of those vegetables it's likely that just the act of adding vegetables without anything else will probably reduce your calorie intake. It'll probably make you healthier. It will probably, you know, do all these other things that are favorable outcomes without having to have them like micromanage calories. Exactly. It's all about achieving that goal, which is eating less. And if you can do that in a way that's not as precise, then it's like, who cares? As long as you're getting it done and your client's happy, healthy, and strong, does it really matter? <laughs> right. And I remember we had this conversation like kind of in our last uh, when we had the group of people together answering questions was one. What is the thing that you uh, with a client client or clients who have trouble tracking stuff? And it's like as a trainer who's been doing this for a long time, it's like you might be able to track really easily because like, yeah, I've been tracking for like at this point, I think I started tracking in like 2014 or 2013. So I've been tracking like seven or eight years at this point. Like it's been a very long time. So you have a lot of experience and the person who's just starting out doesn't really have that level of uh, uh, context or that level of knowledge really about like how many, you know, how do I track something if it doesn't have a label or like, how do I, you know, keep track of wine if I don't have, what, how do I eyeball my measurements and people like people who who've never eyeballed measurements before. And you're like, you know, get a fist sized portion of, you know, potato chips. They eat like half the bag, right? Cause they're like, it's like, we're really yeah. like five or six servings. It's like crazy inaccurate. And for that type of situation, it's like, again, eat, like you said, even if just saying, you know, get four servings of vegetables a day, like I I can visualize or conceptualize four apples. Like the average person can be like, I'm eating or fruits for fruits a day. Like I'm eating four apples or I'm looking at this bag of broccoli and it says it has four servings in it. Right. That's much more easy for a lot of people to conceptualize than having to micromanage and measure every single thing they eat. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why I tell a lot of clients, like it's worth the extra money to get like portion size stuff, like those hundred calorie packs or like, like pre-portioned out things like that extra three, four bucks can be a big difference in like eating an entire bag or eating what you're actually supposed to be eating. Right. So instead of getting like a family size bag, getting individual size bags or like, uh, the, I even like what one thing I would do is I buy these like snack packs that had like tuna and crackers or whatever that were like 140 calories. And it was like, it was probably like double the price of buying like tuna and crackers separately, but for the convenience and the ability to track it, it just like alleviates 
it, it you know, it, it reduces your preparation time too. If you're a busy person and you, you don't have time to make yourself like a tuna sandwich, even if that, you know, it's, it's an extra like five minutes to make a tuna sandwich, but like, or you could just grab this yeah. in a pinch. And that's really when people, uh, fail or misstep is not when they have all the time in the world and all the resources in the world. It's when they're in a rush and they need to just grab something and anything that makes that more convenient is going to help you lose weight. Exactly. Exactly. And I mean, at least from like doing this for X amount of years, like you said, you've been at it for a while. I know I've been at it for like, what, like 10 ish years now with the tracking and everything you build the skill of finding stuff that fits into your day, which I think is the, biggest advantage of tracking is like you figure out what works for you but like having those on the go options are, is a gigantic game changer because the average person is going to go to like mcdonald's and be like all right i could feed the whole family for under like 10 bucks we're going to just get whatever but in our heads we're like well, we can hit a convenience store and get some beef jerky or like a quest bar or something so we've talked a bit about reverse dieting and kind of how you would implement or or how you would start someone off who's just a general uh, population type, like someone who's not like doesn't isn't like deeply invested in fitness, like they haven't been like a bodybuilder or like a professional athlete or someone who's essentially trying to. This is like the vast majority of people who want to go to the gym or who don't want to go to the gym, right? Um, yeah. But then let's let's kind of like define exactly like what is reverse dieting and how would you implement that and then also like what population of people would you implement that for so let's start with kind of like defining reverse dieting so i'll start by saying that like this is kind of one of those cases where bodybuilding crossfit were kind of ahead of the curve and like they kind of figured it out now it's making its way into the general pop but basically like for anybody that is coming out of a diet or like I said before, if you're in one of those groups where your metabolism is just very low, it's an effort to slowly integrate more calories into your diet over time. So it's not like you get a thousand calories, boom, because then your metabolism is slow and then that added calories could end up in additional fat gain, which is the goal of, uh, of the reverse diet is to not get that additional fat gain along the way. Because when you do the reverse diet, there's usually three typical groups. There's the hyper responders where you give them a little bit extra calories. Like and I, when I say extra calories, I mean like 100 or 200 a week. And then if you're not if you're not gaining weight or if you're losing weight, you just keep adding. So say you're in that hyper responder group. Those people, you add a little bit of calories and then all of a sudden their body is firing on all cylinders like they're like neat. They're non-exercised activity thermogenesis goes through the roof because they were probably in poverty calories. Now they're burning all these calories with more food, but there's still that net like uh, deficit. So they're losing weight as they're reintroducing calories. That's the group that everybody wants to be, wants to be in, but more times than not, they're not. Right. <laughs> then they're in the middle of the road where it's like, they're just along for the ride. They're weight is kind of staying in that three to five pound fluctuation. It's just staying right there. And we're adding a hundred, 200 calories every week. And then there's the people that unfortunately gain a little bit of fat along the way, which sometimes is a necessary evil. Cause if you have such low calories and you want to bring them up, you got to do it at some point. Otherwise you're just going to be stuck. So, so if we were to write yeah. like a dictionary definition, like an easily digestible, like quick sound bite for what exactly is reverse dieting, this would be, I'm just kind of spitballing on this, but it would be something like yeah. the progressive and moderate increasing of calories over a period of time in an effort to, uh, rebuild consistency, uh, kind of rebuild your metabolism and, 
help you to be more physically active by fueling your body adequately, but not excessively to the point where you gain body fat. I think that would be appropriate for Webster's. That was kind of as close as I could get based on what you were saying and kind of like trying to put it all together. Yes. All right. I got a little long winded there, but that's basically it is like we're bringing calories back in so that your metabolism allows you like you can handle more food, not getting fat, being more active and enjoying the fact that you're not going to lose progress. You know, the thing that you see, the one thing about reverse dieting that like I'm still not sure I'm 100 percent on board with is that. There all a lot of people who talk about reverse dieting are talk about like metabolism, which we know is like such an like a, a, like overused and misused term when it comes to health and fitness and weight loss yeah. and the whole industry. And and kind of like my take on that type of thing is like I'm I'm not sure if I'm comfortable entirely with the way some people present the concept of metabolism in reverse dieting, where some people say like, oh, you're going to stoke your metabolism and like you're just going to eating more calories is just going to make you burn more calories. And like your, your body is in starvation mode, right? Like this idea of like eventually, like if you cut your calories low enough, your body's going to like stop burning energy or something like that. Right. Which we know is not true. Yeah. Like, like everybody's going to burn some amount of energy. Um, and, and we even know that like metabolic processes are still going to like require even outside side of like your physical activity, like your metabolic, your basal metabolic rate is not going to change that much. But I am aware of kind of like an emerging body of research that kind of shows that there is some amount. It's not like as big as like, you know, back in the day when bodybuilders would talk about starvation mode. It's not like that big to the point where like if you're actually eating like a thousand, like if this person was actually eating a thousand calories a day, they would be losing weight. It's just probably like a combination of these factors, like inaccuracy and tracking, lack of consistency, and maybe a bit of like slowdown in their their resting and active metabolism. But I guess... The main, my main concern with with the way a lot of people present reverse dieting is just being very careful with kind of the language that you use to describe metabolism. Does that does that make sense? Yeah, it totally makes sense. Because a lot of times, like I take a lot of liberties in the way that I frame things for clients because it's like I hate talking like the magazines do, but for some people, that's the only way that they're gonna like fully be on board with it. Like yeah. if I was gonna be more precise, I'd say like the the set point of main, of your maintenance level of calories would be like what we're really striving to increase because right. that set is where they're at and we're trying to bring them up over time. And for some people, that set point is just so low that they can't live life the, the way that they want to without getting that added fat gain, which is what everybody doesn't seem to want right now. Cause well, ever, I mean, <laughs> not just right I mean, now. At least it doesn't seem like 40, 50 percent of the population's overweight. It seems like the concern is losing weight. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. And even if you're bulking, like most people don't want to gain like more body fat than muscle when they're bulking. Yeah, yeah. And it's a and it's more it's a strategic way to bulk correctly. Like if we were to go back like 20 years ago, people like stuffing their faces with like masking inner shakes and like eating pizza for every meal, like dirty bulking like if they knew this back then it would have saved a lot of time and energy with that subsequent fat loss so, so would you would you consider uh reverse dieting like a bulking approach or is it kind of like it can be used for that or yeah i think it's multi-purpose like it can be used like for 
my specific set of clients, it's more more likely used for getting them to a point where they're ready to go into a fat loss phase where they can actually adhere to it because that uh, set point is not comfortable level. Right. Now, what about yeah. like um, in the instance of someone who like maybe their calories are like, you know, maybe they had their calories are set at a reasonable level that you would expect to create weight loss, but it's just not, we're not talking like someone who has super, super low calories. We're talking about someone who's maybe like, you know, for example, some like, what's what are you like five, 10? I don't know. How tall are you? Six, two, what, what, what are you, what's your height? What's your height and weight? The doc won't give it to me. I'm five eleven and three quarters. I am so damn close. But Tinder, Bumble, and Hinge all say six foot. That's, that's exactly me. I'm five eleven and three quarters, but I tell everybody I'm six foot. And what do you weigh? Uh, I'm like two ten right now, but in the two hundred to two ten range, more times than not. Okay, so let's just say you're five. You're, you're six foot tall, but you're and you're two ten, right? Uh, and let's say, but you're not. You don't have any muscle. You're not really. You're not working out. Like it's basically like mostly body fat. So. Yep. And you set that person at a level of calories that you would expect, like maybe like 2000, right? Like a level where you're like, this, this is like a reasonable level of calories, but it would, I would expect them to lose weight on these calories, but it's just not happening. Is reverse dieting something you would use for that person? Cause I can that tell you my, I can tell you my thoughts yeah. and I've been try, kind of trying something else lately that's been seeing, seeming to work pretty well. Yeah. You want to go no, first? I, I want you to tell me what you think first, actually. Yeah. Um, I mean, sorry, what was the, what was the full question? So if you have someone who like, like I said, their, their calorie level is set at like a reasonable, they're not like super, super low. Right. But they're still yeah. not losing. It's a level that would, ex you would expect to be below maintenance. Like for, again, for example, someone who's like six foot tall, two ten, and you give them like 2000 calories. Right. It's not super, super low, but it would re you would reasonably expect them to lose weight on this amount of calories, but they are not losing weight on that many calories. What would you do in that instance? Yeah, that comes down to just like giving them their options and letting them know what to expect. And then we just make a call from there. So I'll tell them like, say they're at like, uh, we'll say like 1700 calories, because this was a specific example. We were at 1700 calories. The rate of loss wasn't really that much. So I said like, listen, we could chop off 250. That'll put you like closer to that 1500 range. It's not going to be as comfortable. Like you're probably going to have to make some adjustments here and there to like more focus on the volume of your food. So it doesn't mentally create such a big change and it's going to be different. Or we can try and crank these calories up a little bit over time so that when we go back into a fat loss phase, you could be at like 2000 calories as opposed to the 1500. And then I'm like, so take your pick. Hmm. Right. So I'll tell you actually what I've been, uh, and it's, it's funny because it's, it's like the exact opposite of reverse dieting. So what I've been doing in such instances was, was like, instead of like slowly increasing calories, why don't we slowly lower calories and kind of like find the point in which you are comfortable, uh, you know, if it becomes uncomfortable to adhere to this level of calories, essentially, we know we've gone too low. Whereas like, you know, instead of just immediately cutting out like 20% of their calories, 10, 20% of their calories, like taking them from 1700 to like 1500 or, you know, let's lower it in like 50 or hundred calorie increments. And what I'm actually finding is this is actually encouraging them to be like much more adherent because they're like essentially the, the the mentality behind it is like if I am still not losing at a rate I like, I am going to need to cut calories again. And it's just like a slow and progressive thing. But we're doing it at a rate in which they are kind of able to adapt to it over time. And, and it's not like a drastic jump, as, as you said. So it's, it's literally like the opposite of reverse dieting. Instead of slowly raising calories, it's slowly lowering calories and seeing the result of that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, 
it's it, again it's the same exact like concept different methods like we're achieving the same goal like yours is a little bit like of a a longer approach in the way to get down there mine's a little bit of a longer approach to get up there so yeah. i mean i think there's value in both because they both teach a lot a level of um i guess you could call it like a level of uh awareness of how the body's feeling and what to expect because with your approach i really like that idea with like slowly bringing them down because then they can feel what not normal is and like what like bad is like if their energy starts to dip or like right. their libido starts you're, and, you're like well this we've gone too low <laughs> and i also find for people who have been like in that yo-yo diet cycle um the only thing they ever know is either like extreme restriction or like extreme binging and kind of getting them to like live in that middle area and kind of like start like turning the dial to kind of find out like where comfortable it ends and where like excruciating begins right is just it, yep. it teaches them a lot about it and would you say this is kind of like very individual to the to the person yeah it's definitely individual but it, it's like to your point like it seems like there's this generation of people that are like, if I'm not suffering and in pain, like I'm not going to get any results. Yeah. And it's, or, and then the flip side of that is they'll say, well, like if I'm not, why would I ever diet at all? Because if I, I'm not, if I'm not enjoying myself, why do I even want to live longer? <laughs> right. And it's like, well, there's yeah. obviously like a huge gray area between like, I'm restricting myself so badly. My life quality is suffering and I am, you know, just binging and indulging in everything possible. There's obvious, and I think like essentially what we're talking about with either of these approaches, either reverse dieting or like reverse, reverse dieting is like, we're just kind of trying to get people more comfortable with living in that gray area. Yep. Yep. And I mean, it's, it's tough because, uh, I mean, I know I personally struggle with that too, is like being like on the diet all the time. Like it's, it's not easy. Like, going into that zone and then coming back out definitely not definitely not easy like when you're in that method of like not really living in the gray space it's like all in or all out it's like almost like former athletes like they're in season or they're off season right so if someone wanted to incorporate uh reverse dieting if, if some of the stuff we're saying is kind of like hitting home with them and they want to try doing this for themselves what would be your like where should they start what type of resources should they look into who should they who should they listen to and who should they do you, i mean if you know anybody who should who's who's given bad advice maybe who should they not listen to <laughs> or maybe yeah, even look, if you're not going to name someone specifically maybe the type of advice to not listen to <laughs> yeah yeah i mean luckily i haven't seen too much terrible advice on this front like just anybody that says like, Oh, eat more to lose, to lose weight. Like, and just leaves it at that with no context. That's a big red flag because then that's just like an, any umbrella approach where it's like, just do this and it's going to work for everybody. Never is going to work for everybody. <laughs> but when it comes to like, if you want precise numbers and like somebody to do all the calculations for you, I personally use um, Lane Norton's app, the carbon diet coach. Very, very good. But if you want to do it on your own, like I know I've, I've written an article on it. Like I know there's tons of articles out there. Like, uh, what's another one? I know Jason Phillips, the guy that I mentioned earlier in the, uh, like on the intro, he, uh, has a couple talks on reverse dieting through NCI on YouTube. Um, yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of good resources, but it pretty much boils down to what we were talking about. Like if you're maintaining or losing weight at a hundred or 200 calories a week, and if you're gaining weight, hold it there, let your body adapt, 
and then add maybe 50 to 100 calories as you go and feeling it out. Right. And I think what also would kind of go hand in hand with this is make sure that you're kind of like – because if you're reverse dieting or implementing any kind of dietary approach and you're not like – you're just kind of doing it – unfortunately, this is probably the majority of people who do any diet – there, and you're not really like attempting to educate yourself on how or why it works or even like how or why like energy intake and and calorie uh, energy output and intake are important things for like regulating, you know, body mass, you know, and also like strategies, as we said earlier, for being more accurate on your tracking. I feel like I feel it would be remiss to not mention that that's important. Like I wouldn't. I wouldn't recommend people like just go like just raise your calories 100, then raise them 100 again, then raise them 100 because it's, again it's like you're not really solving the root problem if that person like still knows nothing about how to track calories or like what actually constitutes a healthy diet. Does that make sense? Yeah, makes total sense. You you need a foundation. This is like well we're all everything that we've been talking about right now is like assuming that you have had some sort of experience with dieting and like with tracking and stuff like that because. If you don't have a foundation before implementing like this, I would consider like an advanced dieting technique, like basic foundation is eating the right amount of food, the qual, the right quality of food first, and then like maintaining your weight and then going from there. So would you say that you wouldn't recommend someone start reverse dieting on their own if they're just like just starting getting into like uh, weight loss? I wouldn't say I wouldn't make it their first their first step. Right. So something to implement if you find that you're stalling when you're doing all the other things correctly, like when we get to that initial, like how I onboard people where it's like you find your maintenance and then you determine if you took 250, 500 calories away, would that be livable and right. then go from there. But that's like a month or two process where you have to find out my weight stabilizing and I got the tracking down and I feel good. Like there's a lot of things that need to be met. Yeah, so you would recommend first that someone kind of, uh, just to summarize, they find, you know, use a calorie uh, uh, calculator, track consistently at a certain level, and see how that affects their weight and their, how they're feeling and their health and, and their fitness and everything. And after they do that for a period of a, maybe a couple months, see how their weight has changed. And then maybe if they're stalled or stuck and, and they've, you know, they feel like they're being really consistent, maybe then try doing uh, a reverse dieting approach. Exactly, exactly. That's pretty much it in a nutshell. Right. So I think we we circled the square pretty well on reverse dieting on this podcast. Do you have anything else you want to add about reverse dieting, um, dieting in general or training in general before we uh, before we do a little outro here? Uh, I would just say when as we're talking about like weight and it's stabilizing and everything, that's not like weighing once a week. That's like frequently throughout the week and finding an average. So <clears throat> don't get discouraged if like. A lot of times, like when people reverse diet Monday, like they increase on Monday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, their weight's a little bit up, but then it brings the, it comes back down and regulates. So don't be discouraged by weight fluctuations. It happens as long as it returns to normal. Gotcha. Okay, cool. Well, it's been a good, uh, a good talk, good podcast. We kind of, I think we, we, we delved a little bit into uh, reverse dieting and we learned a little bit about it and we learned a little bit about maybe how it could be applied uh, to, you know, your your specific dietary situation. So Brian, um, before we go, I want to ask you, can you please uh, plug anything that you have to plug? Uh, give me your social media stuff. This will also be in the contact or in the uh, uh, 
show notes below. So I'll leave the floor to you. You can plug anything you want to plug, uh, give any social media contacts you want to give. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, all my social as far as like Instagram, TikTok, coach underscore fits with two Z's. Um, big on my Facebook group, Fitness and Nutrition Simplified with Coach Fitz. Um, and then just my website, coachfits.com, all one word. And that's where you can find the article that I referenced about the reverse dieting and a bunch of other stuff. Awesome, man. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. And uh, that's it. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening to episode 51 of the Strength for All podcast. Make sure you follow myself, Johnny Reps, on Instagram, YouTube, all of those podcasting and social media platforms. Check out Brian Fitzsimmons. Check out his podcast. I was also on it. The name of that is the Coach Fitz Podcast. Also, as I mentioned briefly in the beginning, it is January of 2022. I know a lot of people are thinking about their New Year's resolutions. If you listened this far into the podcast, consider heading over to johnnyrepsfitness.com and going to the online coaching tab and filling out a consultation request. I am taking on some new clients this month. So if you or someone you know is looking for a personal trainer and you like or find value in my content, consider giving me a look. I'll see you all later.